0: Hello and welcome to this latest podcast from Women in Securities Finance, a group that is close to my heart that keeps growing with now more than 500 members and keeps connecting talent within our industry. My name is Joan Armita Vara. I've been in the industry now for 13 years and currently run the European Securities Lending Supply Desk at Goldman Sachs. We will be using today's session to dive into careers available within Securities Finance given how broad and diverse the roles can be from a product and coverage lens. Given our awesome speakers today, we will try to have a deeper focus on product management as each organization can interpret the role differently. So let's go into this now. I'm delighted to be joined by a superb panel, Harper Bains, Global Product Head for Agency Securities Lending at J.P. Morgan as well as co-lead for the London chapter of Women in Securities Finance. And we have as well, Erika De Rosa, Vice President at Securities Lending at Morgan Stanley. I would personally like to thank you both for being part of this discussion, as it is important for our generation of talent to hear about your respective journeys, the ability to pivot career and how to take ownership of your own path to success. I'm especially looking forward to highlighting the importance of personal branding, networking, and mentorship. I would just like to stress in today's discussion that Harpreet and Erica would be talking from their perspectives as members of Women in Securities Finance. Erica, you have been in Securities Finance for nine years. Can you share with the audience some of your background? <laughs> As well, you have been in securities finance for some time. Product manager is not where your career started.
1: Sure, thanks, Joanne. Well, I studied finance at Peru College at the City University in New York, so I knew I wanted to work in the industry. And I was fortunate enough to land a summer analyst position in bank resource management at Morgan Stanley before joining the full-time analyst program in 2012. My career started with a short stint on our COO team. But for the past eight years, I worked on the firm secured funding trading team. On the firm funding team, I was responsible for trading secured funding repo and managing the secured funding book. And that involved general trading responsibilities, such as providing pricing, hedging, managing risk, calculating p and and all the other similar types of responsibilities. I did that for five years in New York. And then I moved to London to work on our team in EMEA, where I was in a similar role. And as you all know, secured funding and securities finance generally is an always changing market, whether it be due to market dynamics, regulations, new products, et cetera. So there's always a vast range of responsibilities and initiatives outside of day-to-day trading. And because of that, my role was multifaceted in that it included working on desk projects related to liquidity, funds transfer pricing, and other business development initiatives, including tech development. And over the last year or so of trading the book, I realized I was more interested and more passionate about the projects I was working on rather than being in the role of a trader. And I realized there was a need for ownership of tech development within my team, specifically so we could strengthen the tie between our strategic objectives to the products, softwares and platforms that were being created for us. So I became the team's product manager where I would stay on the team and exclusively work on projects, initiatives and tech development. I did that for three years. And this opened my career to new opportunities and sent me on a new career path.
0: That is fascinating. You started your career with the secured funding trading and execution team in New York and London. You then pivoted your career to product management to work on driving strategic initiatives forward for your business. You recently moved to a slightly different role, more hybrid, I would say. Could you provide a bit more insight to what it entails, Erica?
1: Absolutely. So most recently, I moved to a new role in the data science quantitative analyst team in securities lending, where I have a hybrid role focusing partly on product management and partly on data science. Here, I get to learn a new part of the business, along with new technical skills in programming and tech development, which has really been interesting thus far. Thank you, Erica.
0: Your work experience clearly highlights, I think, the variety of roles that are available within securities finance and the vast range of opportunities and responsibilities that can be achieved. Maybe we can turn to you, Harpreet. Could you maybe elaborate a bit on your background?
2: Sure. So firstly, thank you, Joanne, for inviting me to participate in this session today it really is a great platform to, as you said, share experiences and different perspectives. So to answer your question, I stepped into JP Morgan straight out of university. Back in 1999. I was part of the graduate program, which involved a few years of moving around. My career actually started in treasury middle office, which I then followed on with a few years in the JP Morgan asset management business, which is where I was responsible for fund financials. And it gave me my first proper insight to different accounting rules. At the end of the rotations, I moved into, I guess, what I refer to as my more official grown-up role. I became part of the regional finance controls advisory team. The timing was great, right? It was shortly ahead of the JPMorgan Chase merger. It certainly felt the corporate heart of all the excitement and stress associated with merger activity. My team was specifically responsible for the ledger conversions across all of the European branches, and it gave me my first solid experience of project management, the world of accounting policies, and and importantly, control, which ironically, then became the paving stone for my next role as I was approached by internal stakeholders to take on a position as an internal auditor. I immediately said yes, as I knew from my research that it was going to be a great way of not only building on my controls experience, but also getting me closer to the businesses. And in fact, that's where my first introduction into the world of securities lending came about. As My role as an auditor covered all of the different products making up the security services franchise, custody, fund accounting, TA, alternatives, collateral, and of course, Lending. If I do look back at this experience and how did it help me grow the most, I would say was sure my confidence to engage effectively with senior management and importantly, the handling of difficult messaging that probably excelled the most during this part of my career and probably the skill today that I most cherish to this very point. It's a story in itself as to how the next move came about, but the short version for today is that in 2007, I took the decision to leave internal audit. Despite being on a strong trajectory for my next promotion, I took the decision to pivot my career path and join the agency securities lending business as a product manager. And what I thought was going to be a four-year stint is now actually coming up to 14 years.
0: Harpreet, from treasury middle office to finance control advisory team, to then moving to internal auditing, for then finally landing in a product management role, you've clearly taken control of your career and taken some risk to get there. You have now been 14 years within the same function of product managers. 14 years is indeed a long time, I think it would be great if you could tell us a bit more about your product role, what it means to you and your organization. And I think maybe more importantly, why is it about that kept you interested
2: over all these years? Sure. So maybe I should start with the easiest question, right? What's kept me here for so long? I would point to the diversity of the role both the breadth of coverage coupled with the depth that is also required on certain topics. And for anyone that knows me, I'm one of those individuals that does thrive on the detail. You know, without sounding like a cliche, there really isn't ever a dull day. To give some context, I joined right ahead of Lehman's, right? And as we know, our industry hasn't been the same since. And for the past 10 years at least it's been that evolutionary journey as erica said the backdrop of regulations technology new actors i would always said to myself if i ever stopped learning i would leave but over the last few years in particular it's been the the complete opposite right with the flux of transformation the industry is undergoing in terms of what my platform covers product i think can be quite hard to describe it's not trading and not client relationship management where seats are somewhat easier to define in my mind I'm actually going to pinch one of the phrases that Ben Chalice, my manager, used once. He called it out as the business engine room, which I think is probably a fitting description. If I was to take a stab at trying to articulate the global function, at least here at J.P. Morgan, it would mainly be three pronged. Firstly, product strategy and innovation, whether that be new markets, ESG solutions, collateral diversification, pledge structures. These are just all some examples of what my function would be leading for the business. Secondly, regulatory compliance, and by that I mean, you know, as new regulations appear on the horizon, determining the impacts driving solutions, whether it's ucit related, MIFID, CAS, SFDR, SFTR, CSDR, basically the entire reg alphabet soup that we're all familiar with. The product platform will inevitably be involved. And then finally, platform management, which is probably the most diverse of all a business catch-all that covers a wide array of responsibilities, including contractual negotiations, vendor and tri-party agent management, termining of lending tax rates. All of that and more would fall into the product space, not forgetting, of course, the ongoing collaboration with sales, client trading teams to drive new business generation, for instance, support on RFPs or bespoke client solutions, given the vast amount of SME that does reside amongst the product team. We often joke if it doesn't fit anywhere else, it will probably default to product. But humor aside, you know, it is what makes the role so interesting. And just to finish off in terms of what makes a good product manager, in my view, you need both that strategic and commercial perspective, ongoing thinking about differentiation and value propositions, alongside a technical mindset, and last but not least, strong project management, Joanne, and and execution abilities.
0: That's great, Harpreet. If I can recap in a few words for our audience, your role as a product manager, right, evolves around product strategy and innovation, regulatory compliance and platform management without forgetting the ongoing collaboration with sales, clients, and trading teams. I think maybe if I turn to you, Erika, how would you describe your role as a product manager within your firm? Is it similar to the one of Harpreet? Because based on my experience and what I can see as well within my firm, product management can mean many things in different organizations.
1: Yes, absolutely. So as you mentioned, as Harpreet mentioned, product management is the very broad term, and it's kind of a buzzword that can mean many different things in different organizations. And my role is different than Harpreet's in some ways. So for me, I think the simplest way to define my role is to translate business ideas into meaningful technology by working with the trading desk, technology teams, and quantitative developers. It's all about taking concepts and ideas and implementing them. Specifically in firm funding, my focus was on advancing a product that was relatively simplistic and sometimes manual in nature, and to put more of a technical framework around it using the right tools and logic. Really, it was to take the business to the next level. And I was also part of creating the tech strategy for our business, managing resource allocations, and making decisions on prioritization, which was a bit of a foray into senior management for me. In terms of what it meant to the team and the broader organization, My role was important because it allowed us to connect business and technology, and it increased productivity, efficiency, and ensured the usefulness of our tech products. And my subject matter expertise allowed me to transform ideas from just being ideas into tangible tools and models. To be a good product manager, you need to understand the business and the needs of the people using the product. So in my case, that would be the trading desk. So for me, I was able to leverage my trading experience to be successful in my role. That was what worked for me, and it takes time to build that experience but there are others who don't have the same amount of experience that can still pursue this role and still add value in other ways. Now my role has changed slightly and I'm focusing more on data science, which is something I don't have a background in. And the data science quant team focuses on using data and analytical methods to drive revenue opportunities, improve efficiency, and automate how the business is run. It's all about interpreting data and using it to create value. So I bring my product management skills to a new team while getting to expand my product knowledge and learning new technical skills. I like to think that I'm proof that even nine years in, it's possible to move to a different team and gain a completely new set of skills. I also believe that growing diverse talent and having teams of people with diverse backgrounds is key to managing a successful business, and it's going to be even more important going forward.
0: Something that really strongly resonates about your role, Erica, is the idea, I would say, of translating business ideas into meaningful technology and working with different stakeholders to achieve that outcome connecting business and technology together, and always trying to innovate to maintain a competitive advantage, which is clearly important in our industry. Erica, maybe I'll jump on another question, if you don't mind. Throughout the longevity of your career, I think it would be great if you could share with the audience the most challenging moments during your career journey.
1: And how did you tackle these? Sure. Well, the most challenging thing for me was realizing what I like to do how it could be packaged into a role, and where that role would fit in the broader organization. So as many people experience at some point in their career, it got to a point where I was going to work day after day thinking, is this what I want to do? Do I want to keep trading and sit in a seat forever? What should my next move be? And when you're so busy and you're used to being in the flow and going about your day and focused on being successful in your current role, the time really flies by. And it's sometimes hard to take that step back and analyze or self-reflect on how you feel about what you're doing and where you want to go next. So I hadn't taken the time to properly reflect and ask myself these questions. And then something just clicked for me. Truthfully, it happened organically over a period of time, when I just started to realize what I liked and what I didn't like to spend my time doing. And I started to keep track of it and pay more attention to it. And then eventually, I was able to clearly articulate the kind of things I wanted to be working on. It's also challenging to think outside the box on how you could add value to the organization outside of the traditional roles and responsibilities. So it took me a little while to figure it out. But in my search for answers and guidance, I met with a few different people, one being a mentor. And actually, I think it's important to note this was an informal mentor at an informal meeting, one of those where we didn't have an agenda and was more of a general check-in. But this mentor gave me the advice which led me to where I am today. And that was to create my own role and present it to my manager. So that's what I did. I did research, and then I drafted a summary of the role I wanted, which included the responsibilities I wanted, clear examples of them, and laid out why it would be beneficial to the team. And I presented it to management and got the position approved and became the product manager. I'm grateful to have received this advice from my mentor as it sent me on the path I'm on now. For her, it probably seemed like a simple piece of advice, but for me, it changed my whole career and allowed me to progress and make my next move.
0: Let's just pause here for a moment. I think you have really highlighted some important concepts here. The need to take a step back and truly understand what you'd like to do and how you can make a difference. The importance as well of taking control of your own career. And this couldn't have been achieved without the help of a mentor. Harprit, we often hear about the importance of mentorship and sponsorship throughout a career. Has it made a difference for you?
2: Yeah, look, Joanne, throughout my career, I've had several successful relationships of both kinds, which have helped me at different times for different things. Mentoring specifically has been invaluable in helping me overcome my own self-limiting beliefs and, and building trust in myself, which in turn gives you the confidence to move out of comfort zones, remove the restrictions that you may unknowingly be imposing upon yourself, right? At other times, it's provided me with support and guidance that's needed to help combat sometimes everyday unconscious biases, which may be uncounted. Equally, sponsorship for me has also been a critical success factor. Having an advocate that is actively working to advance your career, touting your accomplishments, connecting you to others in the network, recommending you to other leaders within the organization, you know, all of that can be very powerful. If I can just reference back to my entry into securities lending, It was actually the result of a senior male sponsor who encouraged me to take on a different role, followed by internal conversations with other leaders to then make it happen. What I would say, though, is that sometimes you see the two terms being used interchangeably, but they are distinctly different. They're not the same thing. I see mentors as providing advice, feedback, coaching, whether it's formal or informal relationships, as Erica mentioned, while sponsors are using their influence or leadership status to advocate for your advancements, provide you with access to opportunities. In fact, I heard a really great phrase the other day, if I can share, which said that sponsors are willing to spend their political capital at work in your name, which I thought was quite an effective description, but I would just quickly finish with level setting that sponsorship doesn't just happen. Based on my experience, winning a sponsor does require action by you. Ensuring visibility of your accomplishments, demonstrating how your efforts contribute to the big picture, showing ambition, especially with people that you haven't collaborated with previously, they're all important. But, you know, a really key part of the puzzle is your network and the formation of good relationships with senior colleagues. And also worth keeping in mind that whilst not every mentor can become a sponsor, every mentor can most likely help you in that process of securing sponsorship.
0: I can't agree more, Harpreet. I think most people don't realize the value of mentoring until late in their careers, with the common reflection being, why didn't I do this sooner? Mentoring can change your career. It can open up networks and opportunities beyond your immediate reach and can give you the tools and confidence to develop and promote yourself. But most importantly, I would say that the right mentor is really a valuable role model who can help you see possibilities and play to your strength to navigate a better path ahead. Corporates I would like to jump on another question, if you don't mind. And I think that is a question that generally gets discussed by other women in the network. Women often feel that they have to do so much more before they can be ready for a bigger role. Do you agree with that statement?
2: Not only do I agree, I can probably relate as well, right? And if I had to unpick the reasons as to why this is the case... You could probably point to at least a few self-imposed barriers, often unconscious, that get in the way of women wanting to go after the bigger role. I certainly don't want to generalise, but you know, based off my own personal experience, what we hear from other women in the network and market studies more broadly, I think the ones that repeatedly show up, firstly, believing that we have to be 100% qualified before we apply for a new role. We take the written job requirements really seriously, right? believing we need to tick every box before applying and don't necessarily thoroughly view the hiring process as one where advocacy relationships thinking creatively about your experience can all make a difference secondly i would say is even for the job we are doing hanging over us is imposter syndrome which can be a major obstacle with career progression you know that any moment now someone will catch you out feeling so put aside even thinking about a bigger role and actively searching for opportunities, we can be busy continually self-doubting our intellect across the things that we are doing, which for sure limits then our courage to go after bigger roles and put ourselves out there in a meaningful way. And then just finally, I'd like to call out the losing sight of ambition and becoming too busy for leadership. And what I mean by that. I came across a survey that was done a few years ago, which found that nearly two thirds of women would not take their boss's job, even if it was offered to them. A lot of women see leadership roles as a burden and don't actively put their name forward for more challenging assignments. They may even say no, right, when a leadership position is offered, you get so stuck in the grind, the never-ending to-do list, projects, hours, that the idea of taking on something more seems impossible. Struggle to define, let alone articulate what you're striving for. So how can you sanely think about wanting to take on more work? Essentially, somewhere along this path, the leadership begins to be perceived as a burden rather than an opportunity.
0: I think you have really touched upon some very important factors here, Harpreet. I sometimes feel that we have to be overqualified, go that extra mile to be considered for the role, when it should be looked upon pure merit, experience, and quality that we bring to the table. I also truly believe that we need to trust ourselves. We are in the role because we are good at what we do. And so we shouldn't require further accreditation to take that next step. Erika, is there any additional advice to give to our audience today on that topic?
1: Yeah, let me say first that I completely agree, especially when you think about imposter syndrome or self-doubt. Sometimes I feel like I need to have all the details and be very methodical about things before I dive in. But to tackle this, it's key to remember the successes you've had. We tend to focus on why we think we can't do things rather than what we have done and what we've proven we can do. It's important to keep track of your successes, whether it's a project you led or a big trade you've done or a new relationship you've established, and store them away so you can look back and reflect when necessary, whether that's when you're contemplating a bigger role or just having a moment when you're unsure of yourself. Trying something new opens new doors, but it's really more than that. It can create a whole new path that you can't envision for yourself and you don't even know you're striving for. Generally, though, I would say once you realize and can feel that you've outgrown a role, you're ready for something bigger.
0: Thank you, Erica, for all this advice. Just to finish off, as I'm conscious of time, maybe if you could have done something different, what would that have been, Erica?
1: Sure. So as I look back and think about it, I would have taken control over my own career sooner. It was difficult for me to pinpoint where I wanted to focus my efforts and what my next move should be. But I could have been talking to different people sooner and I could have realized my strengths and how they could be applied to a different role sooner than I did. And really just putting it out there earlier that I wanted to do something different and something more would have been helpful. To do this, I think it helps to take a look at two things, what your skills are and what you like to do. And the key is to not undervalue either of those. There are multiple ways to have a successful career in this business. And I think the most important thing is to not undervalue yourself. Thank you, Erica Harpreet, is there anything you would like to add?
2: Looking back, I would say, Joanne, I wish I'd been more intentional with advocacy. It's probably only in recent years that the importance of visibility, both internally and externally, and seeking opportunities to interact with the senior circle has really hit home. As expressed earlier, so many times women more so than men are so head down. And that included me, that those around you don't even know that you want promotion. Of course, the work must get done. But what is really key to progressing your career is building relationships, making the time to network, looking for opportunities to get yourself known, showcasing your potential. Now, obviously, you don't want to be building your profile around the wrong things. So begin with defining your something and your personal value proposition, right? Have a clear vision of what you're striving for, what your strengths are, and importantly, what stands you apart. Branding, as someone recently coached me, is actually at the heart of your career strategy so in short looking up looking around and not being too busy to advocate yourself and when i speak to my mentees i always reiterate that you can't rely only on others to automatically notice you and sometimes we all just need that extra push right which is why sessions like this which provide transparency about each of our different journeys and experiences i hope would empower others to look for opportunities to be their own advocate and don't forget during those self-doubt moments because you will continue to have those If you need help, reach out to one of your believers that can help build you up and remind you that you have indeed what it takes.
0: Thank you, Harpreet. Thank you, Erika. I think these are all great advice for our audience. I think we are coming to the end of our session and we have covered a lot of ground with some valuable food for thoughts. From mobility to diverse skill sets, the importance of personal branding to the power of networking and the value of mentorship and sponsorship. These are all important concepts to set the right path forward for career growth. I would really like to thank you, the panelists today, Hoprit and Erica, for a very insightful open conversation. And thank you all for listening. I really hope that you have some strong takeaways to empower your own story.